everything in our economies, everything in our lifestyle really does ultimately come from nature. It's about where stuff comes from and what stuff is made from. Whatever you buy, keep it in circulation. Don't throw it in the bin. And once you switched and you're like building something sustainable, it's super cool. Nothing can stop you. Like uh, it's the new sexy. <laughs> Welcome to Fashion Our Future, the podcast where we explore the solutions to make the fashion and luxury industry more sustainable and circular. My name is Lauriane Meulière, I'm 31, I'm a French journalist, entrepreneur and fashion lover living in Paris. In this podcast, I went virtually all over the world to collect the words and knowledge of the people who are working behind the scenes to make change happen. Together, we'll go beyond the labels on our clothes to understand their impact on the environment and the game-changing solutions that will shape the future of fashion. So hop on, it's going to be an exciting journey that will empower you with concrete knowledge and hope for the future. Here we are, this is the fifth and final episode of this series. We've spent the last four episodes hearing about regenerative agriculture, traceability, recycling, upcycling, circularity, eco-design, lab-grown raw materials, and innovative technologies. Today, we're going to talk about new business models, new ways of building fashion brands that take into account everything we've learned so far, and new ways for us to consume fashion. Because yes, those new business models and brands require some behavioral change on our side. I'm not calling for an immediate end to all shopping. We shouldn't feel guilty for buying ourselves nice things. But there is certainly room for change in how often we purchase those nice things. Does everything actually need to be bought or can we borrow? Does a dress or a jacket always need to be new or can it be pre-loved? Is re-wearing our clothes the new cool? Let's find out. You've probably heard of Vestiaire Collective. As Fanny Moison, its co-founder, told me, it's the leading global marketplace dedicated to secondhand and luxury fashion. When she says global, she means it. We're talking about 23 million people across 80 countries that are coming to the website on a daily basis to buy and sell fashion in a more conscious and smart way. Before Vestiaire Collective, I know that many people didn't like buying secondhand. So Fanny and her co-founders had to work on making it desirable. We want to try to give a very elevated experience um, to our buyers, but also sellers, again, by somehow erasing all the old secondhand stigmas because secondhand used to be a bit uncool and a bit dusty and, and so on. We wanted first to create a vertical on fashion, dedicated, a marketplace dedicated to fashion and be very inspiring in that respect, as in we wanted to be a photography of fashion. So not only luxury, but also middle range and, and entry point brands and very curated, as in very inspirational, build a very strong catalog where all the fashion lovers will enjoy browsing only top um, desirable brands and, and categories and products. So that was the first part. The second point was the trust component. Again, on those classic marketplaces, 
peer-to-peer marketplaces, you could get fooled very easily. And our viewpoint was to say we need to uh, create the best experience for both the sellers and the buyers. We want to avoid receiving a product that would be potentially weather damaged or fake, but also for a seller, uh, avoid the problems where you never you end up uh, never get, getting paid. So we mm. build that uh, vestiaire as a true middleman, where we as a platform intervene, as in the first layer, for example, is curation. When you submit as a seller your item, we have a first team that will vet your item, check if it's compliant with our norms in terms of quality. We're going to have a first look at authentication at you as a seller, the pictures, the price and everything. Then the product will hit the site, will be purchasable by anyone in the community. Second step is when you sold your item, we have built that quality control and authenticity step, meaning your we have experts now today across the world that will check your item is in the quality you declared, but also it's a genuine item. It's got to look brand new. Talking with Fanny and browsing different websites, I found out that there are a hundred billion garments produced each year. I repeat, a hundred billion. It is crazy. It's stupid. What has been correlated to this crazy production was the sales. I mean, the sales were skyrocketing. The more this industry was producing, the more consumers were buying. And the one that was going down was the closing utilization. So people were buying more and wearing less. And guess what? Uh, who influenced that? Our dear friends, and of course, it's humoristic of the fast fashion industry because they were the one completely transforming this industry for the worse. Another fact I found in a study from 2015, so I guess it's way worse now, is that the average fashion item is only worn seven to ten times before being tossed. Remember what Cindy Rhodes told us in episode three? The key message is to keep it in circulation. Don't throw it in the bin. And Fanny could not agree more. To be conscious about what it means today to buy something, not wear it and, and discard it so easily because we stand exactly for the opposite. We stand for durability, for circularity. We want people to invest in quality and have things and clothes and, and accessories that last across time, but also across users. And that's the beauty of, uh, of secondhand. Vestiaire Collective was founded in 2009, and it grew up from a team of six to 800-plus employees all around the world. That's an indicator of the success of the platform, and I wanted to know what were the drivers of change in our consuming habits that made secondhand a cool option. To answer this question, I, I would refer back to a study we, we are doing since three years with the Boston Consulting Group, which shows the drivers of secondhand. So basically, uh, the first one has always been affordability. Obviously, it's way cheaper to buy a secondhand item than a first-hand one. And then you have, amongst the driver, you have uniqueness, as in um, the products. I mean, when you buy a secondhand item, you're not going to see... Uh, 
10 people in the street wearing the same item as, as, as yours. The third one is the, the thrill of the hunt uh, because it's a very emotional way also and, and different way of consuming. You never know. There's a lot of uncertainty um, in, in what you're going to find. And the fourth one is um, sustainability, as in I'm really buying secondhand because I, I want to have an mm -hmm. impact. And I'm very proud to this year to have seen sustainability skyrocketing from uh, the fourth position of the drivers to the second position. Now there's more than wow. 50% of people saying, I'm turning to second hand to have an impact. Uh, and I choose to consume that way. And they are right because when you look at the at this impact, um, buying something second hand makes you save 90%, so 90% of its impact on the environment. Basically, if you compare a first-hand bag, handbag versus a second-hand handbag, you're saving 90% of the impact on the planet, which is absolutely massive. This is just so interesting, how you can make something desirable and change the way people consume for the better. And what's better to make something cool than a collab with the most listened to French-speaking artist in the world, the iconic Ayana Kamura. First, we love her. She's amazing. And obviously, she has a, a big community of, of people that are following her, as in loving her genuinely. And secondly, because we feel those role models um, like Aya are, are really, for us, a way to, again, educate the different uh, communities, younger, older, whoever, to, to drive this change and to adopt a, a new way of consumption. Speaking of the younger generation, here's a cute anecdote from Fanny and her daughter. It was my daughter's 17th birthday uh, last week. And I have to admit, I, I bought her a small gift and I usually, obviously, uh, only buy on, on vestiaire. And, uh, and this time I was really in a rush, didn't do it in time. So... I ended up buying something new and my daughter was, <laughs> she was so surprised. She received a <laughs> gift and she was like, wow, B before and beyond the product itself she received, she was like, wow, mom, it's the first time we ever have a first-hand product. <laughs> it was really interesting to see the, the behavior as in they were so used and so not only yeah. because they are my children, but I think the young generation are very, very also eager to, to change and to consume differently. What I understand is that uh, the lobbying started in your own house <laughs> before, <laughs> before the government and, and the regulators. Of course. I have to say, that's the most amazing story I ever heard. At some point, Fanny told me that she sees Vestiaire Collective as an activist company, meaning they talk to policymakers, they want to educate the next generation of consumers, and basically, influence and have a real impact on the world of tomorrow. Speaking of which, you may have heard of the B Corp certification. When a business is meeting high standards of verified performance, accountability and transparency. To get the certification, a company needs to get a minimum grade of 80 points out of 200. As a company, uh, profits the planet and the people at the same level. So hence, 
our engagement in the B Corp certification, for example, that we uh, got a little bit more than a year ago, two years ago, I think already. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was for us an activist um, move as in a, a, st a step forward in that direction. Say, okay, from now on, because that's who we are, that's what we believe in. We want to be um, exemplary in the way we drive the company. And, and B Corp is an amazing framework to help us make decisions. As for the future of Second Hand, I'll let Fanny have the last word. I truly believe that in the shorter or medium or, or potentially long term, everybody in this industry, as in the brands, will offer somehow a secondhand program, let's say. So whether a secondhand line to shop from or they will take back some uh, items from the previous collections because they understood that is not a secondhand is not a trend. Uh, it's really something that is here to stay. It's a way of consuming uh, fashion differently. I was already convinced that secondhand is a great option when you want to buy more responsibly. But talking to Fanny was just so inspiring. It's crazy to see how consumer behaviors, our behaviors, can evolve. What about you now? Have you ever thought about renting your clothes instead of buying them? No? Not yet? Never, really? Well, let me introduce you to Victoria Prue, the founder of Her. She will certainly change your mind. Her, spelled H-U-R-R, is a hybrid fashion rental platform operating out of London. The Her journey began about four years ago now, um, and I am obsessed with the idea of the sharing economy. I'm a millennial myself. I use platforms like Airbnb, Uber. Um, I really believe in access to amazing things rather than ownership. And the more I started looking at fashion, the more shocked I became of the linear model that fashion operates, where we buy something, use it, then dispose of it, and really believe that the, the next big opportunity in fashion is the circular economy. So that's exactly what we're trying to do. At her we are trying to get clothes used often and over and over again uh, through rental we are a website so her.com uh, is a website platform and we also have an app um, and we combine three parts of rentals so we have a peer-to-peer -peer community we power 130 brands fashion on rental on behalf of 130 brands and four incredible world-class retailers here in the uk We're not saying never buy anything new. What we're saying is invest in quality over quantity and rent all the other parts of your wardrobe. So our customers aren't just renting for you know, a maxi dress or a sequin dress. They are renting for ski wear, for job interviews, for date nights, for holidays. So it's very much a 360 in terms of the her customer today. Sustainability and the circular economy is the number one reason why I founded her. And um, what gets me out of bed every morning is this idea of reinventing ownership and being really smart and savvy about what we have in our wardrobes versus what we access. Um, we became last year the world's first rental platform to achieve B Corp status. Um, and for those companies and startups that have been through B Corp, it's an incredibly rigorous process um, that, that, that 
analyzes a company across multiple variants in terms of how they run their business. It's a great structure. I'd highly recommend it. But sustainability and embracing circular is absolutely the beating heart of our platform today. Uh, and it's why, you know, the Gen Zs and the millennials that love our platform and also every single big fashion executive out there knows that circular is the future of fashion. And we're hoping to provide the solution. If you are about to wear a garment for a one-off event, surely renting it is a better option for the planet. It keeps it in circulation and then can be worn for multiple one-off events. See my point? I am sure Victoria will win you over on adopting that new model. We are just at the tip of the iceberg and we are just getting started in terms of rental and people renting for the very first time. So I always use the analogy of 10 years ago when the rise of Airbnb started and um, All customers across the world perhaps had previously used um, hotel booking systems. And then Airbnb was quite a, a, a new concept, right? Was it safe? Could I stay in someone else's house? How did that work? And now, 10 years later, um, perhaps you look at Airbnb alongside a booking platform or, or, or Airbnb as your go-to. And we're seeing that exact shift happen in fashion. So for me, this year is around getting the word out about rental. So if you've never rented a dress, you perhaps have uh, watched and witnessed the rise of her. How do we get that customer over that hurdle for the very first time? The second big challenge we have is once that person has rented, how do we get them to keep coming back? So we're working very hard, as I mentioned, on this concept of the elevated every day. So um, if perhaps Victoria has rented for a wedding, how can we now make sure that she stays within the her ecosystem and feels hugely excited about our product and uses her not five times a year, but five times a week or five times a month? That's where we're going with the model. And we're also testing a lot of different versions of what we call reinventing ownership at her. So whilst we're a rental firm, model today where you can rent you know one-off rental for four to 20 days we're playing a lot around how we can innovate on ownership as a concept which has me hugely excited the key is definitely to make renting clothes a desirable and joyful option Fashion should be fun. That's why the industry exists. And the joy that you get from renting something is enormous. And um, so that dopamine hit that you get when you, and we know this, when someone buys something new, we're trying to redefine that dopamine hit. So you get the same hit and excitement when you open that rental package. And that's where our model becomes really, really exciting. And I love when we get so much feedback from our community about people trialing styles that they perhaps would never buy, trialing new brands that they would never buy, that they felt incredible at that job interview, at that you know wedding that they went to. So absolutely, um, we want to bring back the joy of fashion, but we don't want the environmental impact that wearing things once has on, on our environment. At that point of the conversation, I started thinking about the business model. What's in it for brands that partner with her? Why would they close up for rent instead of direct purchase? my favorite question, does rental cannibalize sales? Uh, the answer is absolutely not. So what rental does is open up um, a brand to a new customer base. And we have a lot of data points that we share with our brands on this. So our whole vision and mission is to show the next generation customers, so the millennials and the Gen Zs, um, we want them to discover amazing brands and make really considered purchases. And we have a lot of scenarios where someone rents something for the first time, they 
use rental as a form of discovery and all of our brands know this. So they might rent a green dress, discover a new brand, fall in love with it, and then make a considered purchase off the back of that. We work incredibly hard with our brand partners in terms of how that loop works. Um, and also I think it's our responsibility as the rental platform to feedback to our brands what resonates with the customer uh, for rental and what doesn't. So we have, for example, a garment science team here at Her that makes sure that every dress or item that we bring into the business is going to stand up to 20 to 30 rentals. So we're feeding back into all 130 of our brand partners um, what works, and we hope that they are going to be able to build and have great insights and data in terms of building great products that are built to last. So it's very, very much a collaborative process. I think definitely if you ask me three years ago, brands are a bit skeptical, but now going from four brands to 130 brand partners in the space of under two years, hopefully shows that the domino effect has started and we're only really just just beginning. So it's exciting, it's fashion forward, and um, we can absolutely launch with with amazing sustainability and circular messaging but we can also make this financially viable and that's the key here rental cannot be a tick box csr look at us we're we're trying our best and um, rental has to be revenue generating and profitable at scale and that's what we work incredibly hard to do to prove that the circular economy is the opportunity that digital was 10 years ago yes uh, but that it stacks up and it works financially at scale Before leaving London to head back to Paris for our final guest of the season, some wise words from Victoria. Every brand out there wants to find the next generation customer, right? <laughs> We're all on the same mission. So why not work together and try and find that customer? Um, every brand and, and, and the C-suite from every fashion company also knows that uh, the younger customers are expecting different ways to purchase. So they are expecting resale to be in, within the offering of that brand, rental to be trialed, repairs to be trialed. It's a 360 that makes circular so exciting. Rental is not absolutely not the only solution. It's much more 360 in terms of how we have to view this, where in an ideal world, my top fashion brand, I want to be sure that when I do invest in that brand, I can repair my handbag if it's damaged. I can get a dress tailored so I'm going to love it for years to come. Or I can rent amazing currencies and pieces that perhaps I'm not going to wear 30 times. So um, it's very much rental being part of a bigger picture that makes us really excited. Victoria has made it very clear that renting is cool. And I'm on board. She's also made the perfect transition for the last part of this episode. When she says that brands need to have a 360 approach, I could not agree more. And there is one brand that comes to my mind that embodies that approach. It's called Patine. So let's head back to Paris, my city, to meet with Charlotte Dereux, its passionate founder. That I happen to know for a few years now. Oh, wow, that's great, that's great. Patin is turning six this year, and it's crazy because in just a few years, Charlotte managed to make Patin an example on how to be sustainable. It's always on the move and has just obtained its B Corp certification. The motto of the brand is Rewear is the new cool. They don't have collections, but drops of wardrobe essentials, as they call it. I 
our mission is building a, a new brand model that uh, reunites uh, uh, fashion desire, the human beings uh, and nature. It's not about the pre-order model. Of course, we use it, but it's not about like how you do things now. It's more how we always keep like doing the, the best to align those values uh, and maybe the recipe can change. For example, uh, we are launching a new uh, pair of jeans and we use regenerated cotton and it was a lot of work uh, seeing, okay, should we support regenerative cotton or uh, stick to uh, organic cotton? And it was so interesting because you're calling everyone and you're go you're talking to the the guys who are uh, growing the cotton and slowly we understand all the, all the aspects and then we can make a choice. So making all this math and this, uh, like it's, we are kind of detectives, <laughs> it helps a lot making the good choices. And then what is interesting is to see, okay, are we doing a real effort when we compare our uh, jeans or our T-shirt uh, with the market? And if it's super ambitious, like uh, saving, I don't know, half uh, the carbon uh, there is in a regular T-shirt or sweatshirt, for example, we'll say, yeah, that's interesting because the market will look at it also and say, hey, if Patin, this small brand can do it, maybe there's something. Charlotte can talk for hours about raw materials, but it was not always the case. She was, and still is, a fashion lover. And that's why she had no other choice but to build her brand as sustainable as one can be. My uh, dream brand, I've been waiting like 20 years maybe uh, to build it. It has always been my dream to have my own, um, my own brand, fashion brand. But uh, the problem, what happened is that um, once I was ready to do it, like confident enough, uh, not listening to my uh, impostor syndrome and so on, I realized that uh, there was really no need for a new fashion brand because uh, the planet was already uh, exploding uh, with too much uh, fashion. And so uh, I think that since I had no other dream, and it's still uh, what I love, that chaos created uh, the, uh, the basis of the brand, which is how day after day you build something that has uh, meaning uh, in uh, this, uh, this uh, world. Day one, I built Patin. I always say I, I'm not talking to people who know already. Like, it's not interesting for me. And also because I was not into sustainability before. So I, at the beginning, I was like, yeah, I'm a, a Zara repentant, like, uh, <laughs> like the Tony Soprano uh, of fashion. And uh, it's never too late to change. Do not say anything bad about Tony Soprano. You have to be a, a strong brand and not uh, only in the group of the sustainable brands because every brand has to become sustainable. It's like we don't have choice. And we will always buy a piece of cloth and wear it and rewear it, which is way more important than buying it uh, because it makes you look good and feel good and not only because it has uh, hemp fibers. And maybe that's uh, what is shifting now, is that I see like fashion students now at EFM and so on. They're so much more into sustainability, but also they love the clothes. It's never too late to change. By the way, do you know what made Charlotte change her habits, among other things? Documentaries. Yup. Binging on Netflix can change your life. The True Coast, Cospiracy, Sugar Rush, 
Charlene has seen them all, and six years ago, she quit smoking, eating meat, drinking Diet Coke, and buying fast fashion. But what truly inspired her is the switch of the food industry. We started paying attention to what we put into our bodies, eating organic food, taking care of the traceability of the ingredients, drinking natural wines, and so on. When you rediscover how to eat or how to cook well without the bad things, it's the same profession. Like, let's keep it super exciting. Uh, let's build clothes uh, that uh, you want to wear forever and that you really love. Uh, and at the same time, let's do it uh, with the best ingredients and uh, a lot of time, a lot of thinking, also math to measure if it's really good or not. And uh, yeah, and this project, it was so exciting that uh, it's been uh, helping me wake up every day with a big smile on my face. <laughs> well, that's the most exciting news around here for ages. Once she hopped on the sustainability wagon, there was no turning back. Remember what we said about building new standards in episode two? Well, here's how Patin did it. At the beginning, it helps a lot uh, not knowing because we asked a lot of questions that were not maybe uh, so much asked. Five uh, years ago, people were not um, that concerned about sustainability in fashion. So I was uh, bringing the problem and the solution at the same time, but making this sexy and exciting. That's the trick, I think, about uh, Patin. Like, for example, uh, the our denim uh, partner, uh, where we, we make uh, the jeans uh, in Portugal. When we arrived, we asked uh, a lot of things and said, okay, we want to do this and this for our first pair of jeans. And she thought, okay, this girl is crazy. What is she doing? Like, just do a pair of jeans and it will be okay and so on. And now we become great friends. We are the same age. We have three children. Uh, the, we are really similar. And uh, she said, that's funny because what you asked five years ago, now brands are coming and say, we want to do that. And thanks God you asked because now we are ready. We are ready. We got certified. We know about sustainability. We understand the difference between recycled and not. And like, yeah, we, we, we grew together. And uh, it's a lesson of humility because uh, you, you're like, that's great. I opened uh, a new way of doing things. But what is interesting is how I stay the player that keeps on opening new doors. Uh, I think it's really more funny than just uh, being uh, big. And so it's more about how you build a new model every day and not just crushing other brands. Uh, so, of course, we're not the biggest with volumes, but we will always uh, have a, a safe spot at this supplier's company because they know and uh, she knows that uh, we, we ask always the good question in advance. As a brand, Patin is doing a lot. They are carefully choosing their raw materials based on the calculation of their environmental and social impact without compromising on comfort and style. They're using recycled raw materials and regenerative raw materials. They're eco-designing their products so they are made to last and experimenting with a repair service so you can wear your clothes longer. And they're partnering with rental services to make that more of a common practice. Simply put, they're walking the walk and not just talking the talk. There are actions behind their words and premises. Even if they are a small company, compared to the giants of fashion, They're adopting and implementing many things we've talked about in this podcast. So, contrary to some beliefs, you can, in fact, be small and mighty. Terrific. Right there. Bravo. Bravo. 
great. You know me now. I've asked for some advice for us who want to change our consuming habits for the better. Dear listeners, you're about to hear about the Holy Trinity. So I think a good way to uh, start uh, being mo more cautious uh, with uh, your conception is uh, maybe uh, splitting your wardrobe in three parts. You will have like those super special uh, pieces uh, that are like the cherry uh, on the cake uh, of your style. Uh, maybe those pieces you can rent them. And if you really love them, maybe buy them after. But first, renting is a good option. Then sometimes you have those urges like you want to buy something it will make you feel good and uh, it's not horrible and sometimes you watch Kardashian and we will not be <laughs> you're not guilty for that it's okay so uh, you uh, for that uh, vintage is great uh, because uh, you don't have to go to fast fashion anymore you can buy a piece a nice piece of vintage for I don't know 40 euros or something And of course, uh, since we have to buy less and to rewear more, it's great to have great uh, capsule dressing. Thank you for the advice. At the end of our conversation, I simply asked Charlotte, what's sustainability for you? And how do you see the future of fashion? We are all on a journey looking for, okay, how do I make a good choice? that will make me also a good person. And um, I think that being aligned uh, with uh, what you want to do with your life uh, and as an entrepreneur, every day having the impression that uh, I'm doing something that is consistent, it's so fulfilling that uh, it has to be the new normal. But since it's not, uh, there is a lot of space now for people that uh, want to, uh, to use their energy doing something useful. It's super depressing what's happening now. So the only way to do things is to roll your sleeves and say, okay, uh, let's uh, still enjoy life and be happy and, uh, and do cool things. And once you switched and you're like, hey, building something sustainable is super cool, nothing can stop you. Like, uh, it's the new sexy. <laughs> Hear that? Nothing can stop you. Whatever you're doing, whether it's in the fashion industry or not, feel that energy and use it to go change the world. Meeting all these inspiring people doing great and innovative work really made me feel enthusiastic. And not in a passive way, as in, cool, there are people doing things, but in a very active way, like, hey, I want to be part of the change. The more, the merrier. That's what I always say, right? It was an honor being your host for five episodes. Thank you for listening to Fashion Our Future. I truly hope this series has empowered you with knowledge and hope. And because I've learned my lesson about circularity, we're circling back to episode one. I've saved a few words from my first guest, Dr. Helen Crowley, for the conclusion of this podcast series. Is it changing fast enough? Well, like I say, I'm glass half full, so I'm saying... Not quite fast enough, but, you know, let, it is changing rapidly. Um, and so I do think what's really important about what you're doing is we've got to keep 
we've got to keep a, a a positive spin. And I'm not saying we just say, oh, everything's going to be fine. I'm not saying that at all. I think we've got to find the 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 goods, the good that we're doing and talk about that. And we're going to say we can restore, we can regenerate, we can't bring back extinct species. So we've got to be very careful about how we protect what's left. I think there's a lot of good things that we can do ahead. And I think the learning, learning about how to be more equitable and socially just and how does that, how do we work with nature and get closer to nature and how do we, that's all good for us also as individuals and as a society. So I think this next few years has got some really potentially great outcomes, but we do have to do the hard work. Oh, go on then. You don't want to be late. This was Fashion Our Future. I'm your host, Lauriane Meulière. Thank you for listening and see you soon.